0: Everyone, welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey,
1: everybody. And I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt.
0: Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you?
1: Well, Matt, this is an exciting episode. I, I know I say that every week, but...
0: You do, actually.
1: Uh, but, you know, it's true. and uh, We're really, like, very fortunate, I feel like, to have really interesting episodes every week
0: yeah for sure um you know we work hard to get the guests and uh, or find the guests and uh get them you know booked and on the podcast and uh you know we've been fortunate enough to get some pretty interesting ones for sure sure <laughs>
1: Yes, we definitely have found some very um, good connections that have helped us, you know, to continue to get great guests, and uh, we're really thankful for those. And, um, you know, finding things is not always easy, especially for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> finding I mean, the words to, you know, do in these intros is difficult sometimes.
1: Well, even finding the schedule, you know, <laughs> will be like, um, you know, we'll put somebody on the schedule and then it'll be like, do we have somebody scheduled today? Um,
0: right, yeah. Is it today yeah. or tomorrow? Or Wait, what? when were we doing that again? Yeah,
1: what time zone are they in? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think maybe the listeners uh, probably don't think about the fact that, you know, we're in Eastern Standard Time. And a lot of our guests, I would say the majority of our guests are in a different time zone.
0: Um, yeah, that's certainly turned out to be true, at least, you know, recently for sure.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's lucky when we find our way to the, the right time zone, and the right guests, and that's how the magic happens.
0: That's, that's true, yeah.
1: And, I, you know, I feel like this episode is going to be magical. Um, ironically, uh, the title of the latest album by our guest that we have today is um, called Find My Joy.
0: Ah, there you go.
1: <laughs> wow. I mean, look how that went together. Right. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs>
0: it's almost like we planned it.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's the universe. <laughs> it's like saying, hey you know, you guys are okay. Yeah. Well, our guest is way okay. Um, You know, he's had an amazing career, continuing to have an amazing career. And I can't wait to see where this album takes him, uh, you know, and what he's, what he's got planned even after that. Cause I know he's always looking ahead and, you know, staying very, very busy, but find my joy. I, I think that would should be a wish for everyone.
0: Right along with find my car keys. <laughs> <Find> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Priorities here. Yes, yes,
0: yes. I I digress.
1: joy wins out over <laughs> car
0: keys.
1: Although, if you don't find your car keys, sometimes that might steal your joy temporarily. Exactly. Don't do that.
0: Exactly. All
1: right, I think people have had enough of us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's time to find our guest.
1: (laughs) Good one. All right, well, let's find him. And let's hear the amazing backstory of John Barry. All right. And we are so happy to have as our guest today a Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter, uh, John Berry. I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're really honored to have you as our guest.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much.
1: So I know that you have a new project coming out March the 25th, and we definitely are going to talk about that. Um, But I'd like to hear a little bit of uh, the backstory of you and also some of your songs and projects before we get into your latest project. So uh, where, where does your backstory begin? Where, do, where were you born or where did you grow up? Well, originally
2: I'm from Aiken, South Carolina, which is right across the river from Augusta, Georgia, pretty much. And um, grew up in a wonderful home with great parents and a brother and sister and uh, sweet people and a hard-working family my dad was a construction worker and uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom who worked really hard to take care of me and my brother and sister and love on us and and uh help point us in the right direction in life and uh uh then i was when i was eight or nine years old moved to atlanta atlanta georgia and ultimately the, the ended up in Athens, Georgia when when I was in my mid-twenties and um, lived there most of my life in the Athens, Georgia area. And uh,
1: So did you come from a musical family?
2: Well, my dad loved to sing and actually had a pretty good voice, but never really worked at it at all. He's working in construction. My mother had a lovely voice. And my brother Scott ended up going into classical music and played the cello and um sang opera was a lyric tenor did a lot of operas for many many years and studied in europe and other things and then um my sister of course she susan had a lovely voice as well um but you know i was the only one who did anything really professionally but but we loved music in our home that was a big big deal
1: so you, you grew up with that being a, a major part of your of your life. Um oh, yeah, very much. having music around. So what what type of musical influences were um, present? Well
2: before I started playing the guitar in nineteen seventy two, I was just like all the kids that listen to the radio, you know. And at that time, top forty radio played everything
1: right they
2: played top 40 whatever format it was i mean you'd hear uh, the shot lights and the stylistics and you'd hear john denver and you'd hear the, uh, you'd hear uh behind closed doors by charlie rich and you know all this stuff on the same radio station just great music there weren't, wasn't a lot of format lines so i really loved uh, a lot of different kinds of music um I started playing guitar when I was uh, 12 years old, I think, right before my 13th birthday. And uh, John Denver was one of the most well-known entertainers in the world at that time, 1972-ish. And um, I learned every John Denver song there was, and, and oh. I loved John, and, and I, loved, uh, I I discovered people like Cat Stevens, and Harry Chapin, and Jackson Brown, and of course, the Eagles came out not too long after that. Yeah. And all that that does acoustic guitar rock kind of stuff, you know.
1: Um, so what made you um, choose a guitar at that age?
2: Well, my older brother played. And I thought it'd be cool to play. I thought it'd be a lot of fun to. And so summer of 72, I learned... Um, I don't know. My mom actually. My brother was too busy to show me anything, of course. But my mom showed me three chords. One of them wasn't quite right. It was close. <laughs> and, uh, it's of like horseshoes, you know. And, but um, her hands yes. weren't big enough to make the G chord, so she did a cheater G. Mm. And um, uh, the that summer, I went to summer. I went to church camp. Uh, the end of summer. And I've got my little guitar with me and I'm playing my three chords and, you know, and I'm sitting down on the boat dock uh, down by the lake and I'm playing my guitar, you know, and I, and I look up and there's, there's three little girls standing around listening. I'm like, this is my life's calling. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: it so, really
1: does get the girls.
2: huh? <laughs> so then I, I got, I started high school and, and I, I went to elementary school from third grade through seventh grade with all the same kids. And then I started high school. And it, you know, it's a little different. Of course, at that time there was no middle school. It was eighth grade through 12th. And um, though I knew some of the kids, I didn't know a lot of the kids. So taking my guitar to school with me for guitar for music class or different things like that was a little security blanket. And, uh, and but I ran cross country when I started high school. And then um, over Thanksgiving break, unexpectedly we moved. We, we, with my, my dad found a deal on a house and they, we'd been renting a house for a couple of years and he found this house to purchase and they bought it and we moved over Thanksgiving weekend. And most of those kids that I was friends with, I never saw again ever. I haven't seen it, you know, what, 50 years or whatever. And, um, or more. And, uh, um, so I, uh it, my, my guitar really became my best friend
1: yeah so um at the new school then were you were you involved in music uh band choir anything like that
2: i wasn't involved with anything for a long time okay um, i didn't want to be there right um i'd gone from in one of the one of the most highly respected sports schools in the county. Um, big, big type football team. I was on the cross country team. I was a very successful runner for a cross country team uh, at that year. And to go into a school that was not, did not have a very good athletic program and was known for how bad of an athletic program it had. And uh just did not seem to fit in at all. It took me a long time to make friends, and uh, but I but I made some really great friends and people that I still talk to today. They're they're a civil. We still stay in touch, and and uh, matter of fact, one of one of them I see on a regular, pretty regular basis. We still hang out, and, and um, matter of fact, Perry Barton is the man's name. The who came such a dear friend. He helped me we co-produced my first four albums in a studio in the basement of my parents' house. Ah, so cool. We became very good friends.
1: Uh, was music sort of a bridge to a connection with him as a friend?
2: Oh yeah. That's okay. He, he plays piano. He's a remarkable piano player. And, um, that's where our friendship, uh, evolved around that.
1: Great. So, um, it, you're at this high school that you're not so happy about, or you're not feeling uh, necessarily like you fit in.
2: Yeah, uh, I love.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, do you um, you turn to music, or you continue with music as your friend? Uh, is that when songwriting starts, or uh, had you written songs prior to that?
2: No, I mean I was so changed, so you know. Um. I really started writing, oh, I don't know, sometime sophomore, junior year maybe. Uh, the, the earliest song I can remember writing was a song called The Graduation Song that I wrote during in my senior year.
1: Yes, I had that down as a question. So tell us about that.
2: Well, you know, I was talking to somebody in one of my classes, and and it was it was our senior year it was pushing it was pushing uh late february or early march sometime around then and we started talking about the fact that you know this this is it's coming to a close this is we're wrapping this up you know and uh and for me it was the end of my school days cuz i was not i was not a college candidate by any stretch of the imagination um i wish i had been i wish i had gone to college um, uh, I wish I had had that ability to go to college uh, intellectually speaking I, I I would have been a I was a horrendous high school student um, I would have been a less than stellar college student I'm sure it, it would have been a complete and total waste of finances um, I wish I had not been that way but it's just, it's just me and um, so just with the whole concept of uh, coming to a close, I, in, in one of those uh, thoughtful moments, I wrote this um, song called The Graduation Song, just uh, that we actually re-released
1: two years ago. Yes, uh, I was going to say, um, for the class of 2020, um, and yeah. with COVID and their situation, um, how did how did that tie into your song or the feelings that you had
3: well it, you... It,
2: it all came about because of my son caitlin who is uh caitlin's 20 about 25 26 years old now and he plays he actually plays drums for me and he also plays for ali colleen who is an up-and-coming artist who is going to be a big rock star yeah. and um um he he said hey dad you know he said we brother, you there's all these students that are not going to get to walk graduation this year and he said you should re-record this song and put it out there and get people to send us pictures of their graduating seniors and let's do a video and put it out there and that's what we did so um with his encouragement and um he actually produced it pretty much and, uh, and with covid We had all the guys. I recorded the guitar and vocal at home, what we refer to as a scratch vocal. Scratch vocal is is like a guide vocal and acoustic guitar with a click track. And then I sent it to Kalen, and Kalen has a little drum studio at home, so he put drum tracks down. And then we sent it to our bass player. He put the bass on and then electric guitars, acoustic guitars, piano and um, then we did the vocals the same way we sent it to mike and he put some vocals on and i put some vocals on here at home background vocals and so we built it remotely so we didn't break any covid restrictions so (laughs) and and then we put it we put a a little facebook blurb out to friends on our facebook page at john berry music and said hey if you've got a senior who's graduating this year college or high school um, and they're not going to get to walk graduation, would you send us their picture that we could include in this video? And we got tons of, I mean, it's unbelievable the numbers of them that we received. And it was just a lot of fun to go through. We had a friend who just sort of put it together. I mean, we didn't spend a ton of money on it. We, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what uh, program they used to build the video, but it, it, it's just pretty simplistic. But, but it was fun to be able to, honor these students who worked, they've worked really hard, you know, and um, to, to have that opportunity to to walk across that stage and, and what I refer to in the videos in the, in the beginning of the video, I do a little narrative and and talk about the fact, the fact of walking, how important it is at that time in your life to walk across that stage and get that decorative, decorative piece of paper that says you did it, you know, Mm. it's a big deal. And a lot of these students did not have that moment. So that's why we uh, we put it out there.
1: Yeah, did you um, get any feedback from any of the seniors after saying, you know, what it meant to them to, to be showcased at least in some way of appreciation?
2: I did. I had several notes from people. Uh, I had several from parents who, who told me that how much they appreciate the opportunity to to, to have something like that, especially the ones who uh, we had a bunch of them that were that were that were in the video, that had their children in the video. How meaningful it was for them—it was just a chance to honor them, and and uh, because the the, pair, the kids the the kids don't know who I am, you know. I mean, I'm their grand—I'm as old as their grandpa you know. <laughs> and so, but their parents—it meant a lot to their parents, and and it ended up meaning a lot to the, to the youngsters, these young people. That, and uh, that, that someone like myself and, and that their parents uh, wanted to honor their accomplishment. So,
1: Yeah, because graduation is one of those events that parents uh, look forward to as well from, you know, basically from the beginning with their child, you, you wait for that graduation moment. And um, to have COVID in the situation where that wasn't happening, uh, I'm sure it was nice of them to see you know their child and the song and all this put together that was, that was really you know your son's idea but um it's a really really interesting and i'm sure it meant a lot to a lot of people to be able to have that because so, high school days
2: high school days are really important and yeah. as much drama as it's filled with and and, uh, and and at the time when you're when you're going through it it, it's, it's a lot of times it, it's not doesn't seem that important, but the more distance you get on it, the more you realize it was a really cool time in your life when you're almost an adult, but you don't have the responsibilities of being an adult. <laughs> and and it, there's a lot of it's a great time of life. And and, and, and those are for people like me who do not go, to, go on to college, it was. It was a real time of some some amazing friendships and, and some that are still uh, survive to this day and, and, and that uh, spent some really meaningful time with some some people that uh, it meant a lot to and still means a lot to me. Uh, uh, fond memories of, of dear people.
1: Um, did you, when you wrote this song, was it performed at your graduation or?
2: Oh, no. I was... um. I was not at that level of performance, I (laughs) don't think. Yeah.
1: So um, you just, um, in a conversation, and it got you thinking about, you know, this is the end of kind of school, and that inspired you to write that song. Uh, Was was that the first song that you had written?
2: Oh, no, I'm sure I'd written really plenty of really bad songs prior to that
1: (laughs) okay well uh so i have um some of the songs and um some performances that i'd like to ask you about the backstory we i did have that one on there because i I really thought that was very cool especially and you know in light of everything that was happening with covid and that class really i guess being the first one in our lifetime that um you know, wasn't getting that opportunity to have a graduation in person. Um, but as these are not necessarily in a chronological order. The first one I wanted to ask about was um, Your Love Amazes Me, which was uh, Grammy nominated. Uh, I love the song. And I'm curious about what inspired it. So, um, you know, what's the backstory of that love song?
2: Well, that was written by Chuck Jones. And Amanda okay. Taylor. Um, I'm the lucky guy who drew who drew the card to get to record it.
1: Okay, so how did that happen?
2: I was not the first person to draw the card. Uh, Tanya Tucker had recorded it before me, but she ended up not including it on her album. Oh. Of course, now every time I see Tanya Tucker, <laughs> she reminds me. <laughs> she she reminds me that I owe her a hit record because she gave me that one. Yeah, and, wow. <laughs> but she actually ended up re- uh, including her version. She recorded it. They just didn't include it on the record. And and But years a couple of years later, she put out a Greatest Hits record and included her recorded version on her album. And she did a great job. And it's one of those songs that, like I said, I was the lucky, lucky guy who drew the card to get to record it because I don't think the singer makes a whole lot of difference. It's such a great, great song that it, it may, maybe one person's version, maybe different people would like this one better than that one, whatever. But it's such a great song that everybody's version would have been a hit. You know, It's like when Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all those guys would all record the same song. It's just because their fans wanted to hear them sing the song that was so great. And and that's what that's sort of where that song lives. Your Love Amazing is one of those kind of songs. I mean how cool would it be for George Strait fans to hear them hear George Strait do your love amazes me. Cause George would do a great job of that, you know, mm. or, 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 or any, anybody else That is if, if there's, you know, Reba McIntyre doing that song, you know, be great. Cause it's such a great piece of music has nothing to do with me. People like my version. I love that. and I appreciate that, but it's such a great song that so many people could sing that and their fans would love that. And, uh, uh it was a, it was a great time for me. Um, Great single for me. Uh, oddly enough, it was my first number one record on the R and R chart, and it was the same day I had brain surgery. It's a tough way to get a number one record. Wow! But you take advantage of every moment. So,
3: <laughs> wow! And if so... you, and, and
2: not everybody needs brain surgery, but I clearly did. I'm just <laughs> happened all on the
1: same day. Well, um, Matt has a <laughs> you know kindred spirit yeah there.
0: yeah i' i've also been through the same thing and uh
2: have you really what 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 kind of what 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 circumstances is
3: your
0: um i had had a uh it was a congenital cholesteatoma, which is a uh basically from birth um and it had grown into a big mass uh behind my ear and caused some problems and uh you know, they said it's got to come out. So, had... people
2: say there aren't miracles today, that they can go inside our brains like that, inside our heads. And, and it's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. It's amazing the technology and the gift that, that God gives men and women to think through those processes and develop that. So, it's, there, there are still miracles today.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I have to ask because I, I mean I have not had the surgery, but were you awake during um, parts of the surgery or the test? Or
2: they they said I was. I don't recall it. So they said yeah. that, they said that I would be awake, but I don't remember any of that.
1: Yeah. So your this song comes out the same day as that, or hits the the, the charts as the number one song.
2: Yeah, crazy.
1: That that is like wow. So, what do you like about this song? Like, did you know when you recorded it? Yes, you know this is this is going to be a hit. I feel like. Yeah. I knew it before I ever recorded it.
2: Um, I was play I was playing clubs in Athens, Georgia, long before it ever was recorded. And um, I play I I have people request it four or five times a night. And. You know, we we'd be playing this club in Athens, Georgia, that was full of college kids, and we were ripping and roaring. Okay, I mean, it was a it was serious, big time party. We had a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but when I play that song, a hush would fall over the place.
3: Yeah, I mean,
2: you could steal it. You knew something was
1: up. well the next thing that i had to ask about um performance is a a bit different but uh you got to do a duet with cassie klein um so how did that happen Uh, through technology uh, you know tell me about that
2: well cassie's husband and forgive me his name just went right out of my head he had been talking to several uh, people about Patsy's dream of always singing with a big band, and the labels just w- at that time they were a little more um, strategic about keeping you in your lane, you know. Right. And uh, um, so they produced they they actually digitally removed the band from her tracks from her her, her recordings. And just left her voice. Of course, you know at those times, when they recorded, it was all live recorded in the studio. You know, there might be a couple of microphones in there, but everybody was all it was all recorded on just a you know couple of mics. It wasn't all individual tracks, so it took some maneuvering to pull that off without destroying the integrity of the recording of her voice. And but they did it. And then they built a new track, a new band around her voice, and and in the 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 Big Bounds band sound, her husband produced these tracks that he felt is what she always wanted to do. And then they had people come in and sing with her, and which was really quite amazing. It was quite an honor to get to do that.
1: Yeah, So, what did it feel like when you when you heard the finished product? Um...
2: I was tickled. I I was really thrilled. It was pretty fun, and, and um, it wasn't exactly the best key in the world for me, but it's okay. And um, um, I just I just went with it and, and uh, made it happen.
1: Well, I'm sure that um, she would just be amazed if she could know that you know her dream uh, happened later. Um, you know, with with different artists. Um, oh, I'm
2: sure. How exciting would that be?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I, I mean, I think that was just amazing to me when I read about that, um, of what it must feel like, um, both, you know, to, um, for you, singing with someone, you know, who's a legend, who had that dream, and now you're like a part of that coming true, even though uh, I'm sure it meant a lot to your family, to. Um, to be able to have technology to put this and make it happen.
2: Yeah, that had to be. I'm sure for her family and all of those close to her, knowing that that was something that she had always hoped for, to to see that uh, come about was probably very exciting for them. And and for me, it was just a real honor to be to actually be a, a part of it. And like I said, so. Uh,
0: Patsy's husband's name was Charlie Dick, apparently.
3: Yes.
2: Yes. And, uh, well, so they they put that whole thing together, so pretty amazing.
1: Cool. I, I mean, so there again, technology, um, you know, it, it definitely does have its great benefits to it, it, in the musical world. Um, and she'd probably be amazed at how much recording has changed in the process.
2: I would have hated to have been charged, the engineer charged with, pulling the band off of her boat tracks and leaving just a nice, clean vocal. I'd hate yes. to digitally do all that. I'd hate to have been the guy in charge of that.
1: <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like winning a Grammy Award? Because you won one for um, musical performance for Amazing Grace, is that?
3: Yeah, is that... it was pretty cool. Uh, I,
2: I think one of the most exciting things about the Grammys for me, is the um, um, I got a phone call and from my management company at the time, and they said, "Hey, uh, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm just here at the house." They said, um, "Are you near your fax machine?" This is back in the day, yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, uh, I, I said, "Sure." I said, I said uh, "Yeah, I go I got stand by your fax machine. I'm sending you something." And so, this fax comes across, and it's it's feeding out, and I can see. The letters, the words printed out real big. It says, you have been nominated for a Grammy. And I about fell on the floor. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't no text, you know, and no text, you no know, emails. Facts. We thought that was <laughs> – we thought I'd never got cooler than facts, man. <laughs>
1: It would have been funny in a way if it would have, like, jammed that you have been nominated for. <laughs> you'd be like, oh, what? <laughs> um, so, what's it like to win?
2: Well, you know, to, to have been a part of this collaboration. And um, it was it was a great record. And, you know, to me, still, I, I love someone that's on that record uh, Trace Atkins' Wayfaring Stranger. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What a great cut he did on that, and uh, it was just it was just awesome. It was just awesome to be part of that.
1: Well, then you were also part of um, Beautifully Broken, a uh, part of a soundtrack. So, what's yeah. it like to uh, be included on that?
2: Well, that was produced by Chuck Howard, who produced all the songs people have heard me sing on the radio, and. There are, some, there are several really cool things about that. One, Chuck sent me a rough cut of the movie. Sent me a... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a rough cut of a film before, but there's there's no music at all. Nothing. And um, it, it, they've got the... Uh, across the bottom, there's the, uh, the timer going, so they know where they can edit it and all that kind of stuff. Then... Uh, so it's pretty dry, but so I, but I watched this hour and a half film, uh, beautifully broken, and I am moved to tears. It's just a wonderful story, a wonderful story. And he said, hey, the next day he said tomorrow when I get back to office, he said I'm going to send you the song. And and I told him I said Chuck, you know better than anybody what I can sing, what I can't sing. You've produced everything, every hit I've had. If if you think I can sing it, you count me in. I said I love this movie. And 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 one thing about it, you know, it's a faith-based movie. And and I I sent the movie, I sent the rough cut, to my son's father-in-law in Texas, who is a wonderful Christian man, and just wanted him to take a look at it and just just from a faith perspective, I wanted to be sure from with someone else's opinion I trust that it was it was on track. Everything right. was on track. And he calls me back, and he says, absolutely. He said, if you don't sing it, I'll sing it. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, by the way, he said, you know where they landed at that airport, that scene where they they fly over to Kigali, Rwanda, Africa, and land at that airport? I said, yeah. He said, that's where we fly into on our mission trip in July. Do you and Robin want to go? Oh, wow. So we went.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: So we went to Kigali, Rwanda, Africa, and went on the mission trip with them. Now the significance to Rwanda and and, and the storyline for this, this this movie, Beautifully Broken, the movie the the storyline takes place during the mid '90s when the genocide took place there, and and we're talking about a violent violent history uh, of this genocide where. Or thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people were slaughtered, right? Because the Tutsis did not like—I can't remember the other tribe—but these two tribes they hated each other, and one of them just they went crazy and they just slaughtered the rest of them. And the opening scene in the film is—it's just it's hard to imagine that being real. You're like, how how can that even be? Well, we when we went to Rwanda. The first thing we did when we got off the airplane is we went to the Rwanda Memorial, and we walked through the Rwanda Memorial, and it was horrific. The photographs and the history and all that, and then we walk out. There's this beautiful garden, and in the garden, there are three slabs of concrete, each one about the size of a tennis court, and there's a quarter of a million people buried there. Wow. A quarter of a million people buried in mass graves there <sighs> just because the people couldn't get along mm-hmm. are you listening to me russia huh? are you Listening?
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah no, I, oh, 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 sorry politics i won't get into it uh, you're, anyway you're fine um, but but you know the um it's just that it was, it was just amazing this this movie it's, it's that's where it starts but the movie goes on into the future and it's about three families a family in brentwood tennessee and two families from Rwanda and in how different ways, in, in different ways, this tapestry that only God could weave where they literally, in some, in one way, literally save each other's lives. It's a beautiful movie. And and the song was a, you know, beautifully broken, being a part of that was really, really
1: awesome. Mm. Wow. And such a backstory that you have um, for being a part of that and then sort of getting to you know see the places firsthand um that's that's really amazing
2: it was you know, that song was um uh song was written by jenny slate lee and I, I gotta be sure i got my story straight here do you have time for a story sure
3: sure yeah
2: um uh Jenny, it's really funny. Jenny Slate Lee writes this song. Well, years ago, back in 1992, I was driving home from playing a club in Athens, Georgia, late at night. I lived 18 miles. Our little farm where my wife and I lived 18 miles out of town. And it's two or three o'clock in the morning, coming home from a late gig, and got the radio on. DJ goes, "Y'all turn it up." Got a brand new song from Joe Diffie. You ain't gonna believe it. And I turn it up because I love Joe. And they play ships that don't come in. Mm. And I am just floored. Because, I mean, I was living large. I mean, I had a huge following in Athens. We had a little farm. By the time we sold it, it was 150 acres. Um, we had built this little farmhouse. I had a sweet wife, little girl, you know. Um, we traveled in a motorhome when we go to play. Sound and light rig, you know, had the whole thing, you know. But that song, when he sang the words, and to those who stand on empty shores and spit against the wind, and those who wait forever for ships that don't come in, when he sang that, for the very first time in my life, it occurred to me that's maybe all I'd ever do, is be a really big fish in a little tiny pond of Athens, Georgia. And you go to Anderson, South Carolina, and nobody knows who I am. I uh, Just be this guy playing clubs and whatever around Athens. And I had dreamed bigger than that. And I got home and I woke Robin up and I said, baby, I said, I'm through tears. I told her about this song to Joe's and I, I told her that I said, I've dreamed bigger. And she said, we have dreamed bigger. And we came up with a plan that night to go to Nashville every six weeks for a year and do an industry showcase and, and see if we could garner some attention. And if we did, great. And if we didn't, well, we'd punt. We'd come up with something else. Well, Literally, uh, we ended up going to Nashville. We did one showcase, and out of that showcase, I got a record deal (laughs) with capital. Here we are. Okay, well, let's go back to the recording session where Joe Diffie is recording that song. That song is produced by a a gentleman last name of Slate. His daughter, who's about five years old, is named Jenny jenny's in there in the session while joe joe diffie is recording that song ships that don't come in that literally changed the course of my life mm. and then all these years later she writes a song wow. that i record that gets me back on the radio for the first time in 20 years and that cra- i mean it's nothing that is amazing
1: <laughs> it, it's
2: it's just it's just kind of crazy you know a it's just, uh, what a yeah. circle and, and it's it's not the it's not this life changing thing, but it's just it's just it's just how it's, there's this connection between things, you know? Right. And that's what I think that's the most amazing part about me is just how it's all kind of connected. And maybe one of day these days is we're in in well I don't want to get into, I don't want to get into, I don't want to get that. so <laughs> <laughs> but, but but I look forward to the time when there's a perspective and I can see more of the web. I can see more of how it's all interconnected and how our lives are all interconnected and how it all is, is, is it because it, I know none of us might change, but anyway.
1: Right. So it definitely seems like a lot of things have, have been meant to be uh, in their own time for you. So I guess that brings me, I have one more thing to ask about and then um, a little bit um, shift to uh, the throat cancer diagnosis but I wanted okay. to ask about um, the songs and stories for kids because that seems like a really cool thing that you do and got involved in
2: well it was something that we created my wife and I because we, it was right when pandemic was getting started and, and schools were being cancelled and and we, we just you know like uh, and i uh, and, it, and it really came to heart because we had a brand new granddaughter. Aww. And she she's not she she's not even two years old yet, and she'll be two in uh, in the spring. So we were slapped in the middle of it. Matter of fact, when we went to the hospital when she was born out in Texas. We couldn't even go in the hospital, and which you still can't go in the hospital. <laughs> hmm. Right, as crazy as that is, and uh, but we were thinking about all these children that are going to be especially youngsters the real young ones that are not going to be able to go to school and 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 there's be lots of parents trying to find activities good activities for the kids to do and 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 my son sean had asked me he said john he said sometimes why don't you sing some songs and read some stories and just videotape them for olivia so when she gets older she'll be able to see her see her grandfather some videos, and, and, I, and I said, "Sonny, are you thinking I'm going somewhere?" <laughs> but <laughs> he said, "He said no, no. He said, just, just, just in be case. <laughs> just, be, just, be, just be just be really cool to have." And so we and we thought about that, and we said, "You know, probably be a really cool thing to do, and and maybe make it available for people for for kids to see." So we came up with this character, Papa, because they they call me Papa, and. My son's nickname is Bear, B-E-R-R, and that was his high school nickname. On uh, the, the football player's name, and that for some reason. Mm. And um, so they, call, they started calling me Papa Bear, and, uh, and so we so we put this little character thing together where you know Papa Bear comes on, and it's, it's, it's songs and stories for kids with Papa Bear, and and um, I'll read a I'll read a story and play a song, and you know, it's maybe fifteen or twenty minutes, maybe and always talk about washing their hands and, and things that were important to do and, uh, to keep everybody healthy and safe. And, and, uh, this is Mr. Rogers esque, I guess, without the sweater. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and So, but it was, it was a lot of fun to do. And we did it for a long time. And, and there is a, it's kind of a possibility a chance that may be revived because we had so we've had so much requests for it. And, uh, so we'll see. Uh, I, we're trying to figure out a way to do it where it's it's um a little simpler because we're my wife and I are are not the most technically advanced uh couple on the planet um (laughs) we we still see we seek out neighborhood children that are under the ages of 12 to help us with our phones (laughs) uh, so so we we, so we're just trying to you know because we would shoot that whole thing my wife she had to learn she would learn how to she learned how to edit and put it all together so she's the one who did all that stuff so
1: well, awesome! I mean, that's a really good use of of time, and also, you know, to give kids um, a great opportunity when there's little for them to do. Um,
2: and yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to come up with something that was it, was, it was, it was good, wholesome entertainment, because they can, they can find all sorts of nasty stuff on online, and that's the last thing we want them to do is find stuff that's inappropriate and. So just trying to, and, and, and what we're, what we're doing was, it was gauge, poppy bear is gauge for that three to eight year old range, you know? So Mm. So it was was, was really kind of fun.
1: Well, so, you know, the question of throat cancer diagnosis, um, I imagine that is not good news for anyone, but you're a singer. So, you know what was it like hearing that you had throat cancer
2: um it was completely surreal just complete, just uh shock is is hardly even begins to uh, explain express what we were feeling Uh, yeah but it's crazy because i i had had um, symptoms for about two months, uh, starting in early November. We were in the recording studio, I guess, uh, some October, November, uh, in the studio recording um, Thomas Road, CTF, put out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was drinking water like crazy because I had a tickle in my throat. I felt like I had this, and I would explain it that I had a feeling like a the skin of a Spanish peanut stuck in my throat and it wouldn't go away. I couldn't get rid of it. It's driving me nuts. I finally went to the doctor, my regular doctor, and they said, Oh, it looks like you got a tonsil infection. So they put me on a round of antibiotics. And then I, I finished the album. I, I did my Christmas tour, middle of the Christmas tour, got another round of antibiotics and then got home. It wasn't any better. And, uh I called my doctor and they said, "Well, we'll see if we get you in to see a specialist." And about that time, I think it was the, the same day as they got me in to see the specialist. We uh, got the appointment set up for uh, January 4th. I got a flashlight and I looked down my throat at my tonsils. And I went, oh, "Gosh, Robin, come look at this."
3: <laughs> she looks. At, she,
2: she looks. She looks down my throat and she goes, "Your tonsils. It looks like a tumor."
0: Uh.
2: I mean, it was growing out of my throat, and it was a tumor. It what? was a tumor growing out of my tonsil. Wow. I mean, it's, it's like an alien, you know? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. And, uh, but God's so funny, I man. I'll go walk into, a doc, I got an appointment with Dr. Spire, ear, nose, and throat specialist. I walk into Dr. Spire's office. He says, John Barry, good to see you again. And I'm like, when did I see you the first time? <laughs> And he he said uh, he said you wouldn't remember but back in 1997 when dr Ossoff performed an uh, vocal cord surgery on you to remove a polyp I was an intern on your surgery wow <laughs> <Jeez>. yeah wow <laughs> Another... once, again,
3: <laughs>
2: once once again the web continues wow yeah. and and so you know so instantly I felt a sense of relief not that I mean, certainly everyone's voice is important and, and no one wants to have their voice affected um, by cancer or anything, whether they're a singer or not. But I felt a sense of relief knowing that this man knew what I did for a living and that that that, uh, that just helps give me a, a sense of peace. Right. And uh, but he was a he was a straight shooter. Uh, he asked me lots of questions and wrote down lots of notes and he said, well, let's come down to this. Let's take a look. And he looks down my throat and he turns his flashlight off and he sits down, looks at me, he says, I'm, a, he said, I tell people the way it is. That's throat cancer. Mm. Just like that. Yeah. Just like that. I tell people the way it is. That's throat cancer.
0: Damn. And, uh, you <clears> know, and then
2: the more I looked at pictures of what they took some pictures and the more I looked at pictures and you look online and you see it and you go, yeah, that's what it is. You can tell. And uh, so, uh, but then I got, they sent me, he was part of a group. They sent me to Tennessee Oncology and just great, great people. They worked really hard to take good care of me. And there was one uh, 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 technician at radiology, uh, a sweet lady who just was always, she, she saw me more than anyone. She saw me every day. Monday through Friday for seven weeks. I had radiation treatments. She's the, she's the only person I saw every single day, the entire time. Mm. And she saw me going from walking in, you know, pretty strong, healthy guy to almost wheelchairing out of there by the time I was done. And uh, But she was always a ray of sunshine. And I can't say enough about healthcare professionals who are like that. On one hand, people like Dr. Spire, who are straight shooters. I love that about him. You know they're, they're no beating around the bush. this is what this is what's going on. and then there's there's kind, sweet people like this uh, this technician, this radiology technician who uh, just made every day. It's okay. You can get through this, you know. Mm. It's really awesome. Good people.
1: yeah, it sounds like you need both. Um, you do. you sure do. The- so, yeah, well, I, so I, I guess it's kind of ironic to me that, you know, you go from this, I'm sure is a, a dark period, um, you know, even if you remain as positive as you can be, it's still, um, you know, a hard thing, I'm sure to go through. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. now your new album coming out is called Find My Joy. And, um, you know, to me, I was like, that's amazing uh, that it, it's kind of like you've moved beyond this and now into joy.
2: Well, when I found that song, which was written by Steve Dorff and Jack Cassidy, if people don't know who, Jay, uh, who Steve Dorff is, they need to. He's yeah, probably He's probably written songs that are part of the soundtrack to their life. He, he's written so many songs that have been hits for for people. He has a book called Yeah, I wrote that one too. <laughs> That's a lot of songs, y'all. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, we need to have him on here and tell some of the backstories. Oh,
2: you you just you it, it'll take forever. Uh, he's got so many songs, <laughs> but. Cat Cassidy is of the Cassidy family, as in David Cassidy and Sean Cassidy.
1: Sean,
3: yes. yeah. And um
2: Jack is a wonderful young man old soul he's 22 years old and he writes like an old man I'm telling you he's just got such a such a soul hmm. and a great great writer I have just a great respect for the show man and um, but they wrote this song uh, find my joy and uh, just a, a powerful powerful song and um, there's another song on the on the record that they wrote together called live like you and there's another song on the record that Steve wrote, called something bigger than me that is so ding dang beautiful uh it was recorded with the utah symphony orchestra and it's just lovely and um great great message and then um uh, a song called blessings that's just i think they i think the writer was just uh, following me around my entire life and wrote a song about me <laughs> and um uh, how you know the song talks about how difficulties in our life and it at one time seemed like big huge roadblocks or, or or whatever they are well, these mountains that seem impossible to climb end up being some of the biggest blessings in your life you know and everybody has those and, uh, just some great great music and then we took six of these classic hymns these six some of the most loved hymns in the world like how great thou art and great is Thy faithfulness and and uh and steve did these most beautiful arrangements to them um, we had a 45 piece stream orchestra and a small band and it's just it's what i always hoped this record would be mm. and um, i started this album a few times before in the past and it just wasn't coming together the way I thought it should. And uh, so we canned it. And, uh, but then this one came, this, this time came along. It was, it was right emotionally. It was right musically. It was right spiritually. It was the right time.
1: Well, and, and I think even for the time in the, you know, in the world, it seems to be a, a right time for finding joy. And these songs are, are very, very encouraging, uh, at least the the ones I was able to hear parts of, uh, very um, inspirational songs.
2: That's great. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So um, people can, on uh, March 25th, they'll be able to uh, purchase this and hear for themselves. So uh, where, where would be the best way for them to locate this to purchase?
2: Well, people can. Uh, there are several places I think you can go online and look. Uh, if if people would like to be uh, in on it a little ahead of time, they can go to johnberry.com. And on our homepage, there is a Indiegogo logo, and Indiegogo is a format for independent artists to help fund their projects. And uh, and actually, they'll uh, when we get the records in, we will ship them out we'll actually get them in before the 25th. So people will get them, uh, uh, prior to street date. And there are other levels that people can do everything from, p- purchasing a CD to having me come play at your house.
3: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and, <That's> uh, awesome.
2: <laughs> and so there's lots of things there. Actually, there's only two house concerts left available, but, the rest of them are and, uh, but it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We, we've, we've done that several times over the years and it's always fun to do. And, um, but it's, uh, uh, I've I produced this record, well, Steve Dorff produced it, um, I financed it, and this is a helpful way for us to uh, recoup some of the financing, but mainly to take that uh, the funds that we raised through Indiegogo and pay for promotion and marketing that we are doing in conjunction with um, um, Gaither Music Group, which I've signed with for distribution, mm-hmm. and uh, which is, is part of... uh, capital Christian EMI uh, EMI records and uh, so we've got nationwide or worldwide distribution for physical products as well as um, digital downloads and such so it's going to be available everywhere, anywhere and um, this will allow us a way to uh, uh, pay for the project and also for us to have funds to work with the label on marketing and promotions and uh, so it's exciting to be able to do this, but so that's uh, I think the best way to do it, and and uh, we'll, and plus people will be able to get their music early, but it will be available in all um, uh, digital outlets online um, for downloads, and, and I'm sure there'll be some other areas where you can get physical products, you know, get an actual CD, and we actually have a, a thing, if you order it uh, through our website, you can order a, a it's a jump drive. It's because like, like my wife's car doesn't have a CD player. Mm. You have to load it into the hard drive of the car. Right. And, uh, so you can purchase a jump drive, and it looks like a cassette. And I know some of your listeners are going, a "Cassette? Whoa, <laughs> what's a cassette? that?" <laughs> <And, Okay>. uh, <laughs> but, but it looks like a, it looks like a cassette tape, it's got a, it's got a jump drive that folds out of it. It's kind of cool. And uh, so I asked, the, I asked the manufacturer if they had one that looked like an 8-track, but I said no, they didn't have that. So uh, as retro as they could go with cassette tape. So.
1: Well, that's pretty retro. That's very cool there. I like that. Mm-hmm.
2: But it's pretty neat. And uh, the Indiegogo's got – we have some things. We have a, a lyric sheet to the song Find My Joy that has been signed by myself and Steve Dorff and Jack Cassidy, the two writers. And, uh, and it comes with a, a mat – so you can frame it and uh, that's pretty neat Mm. and um and then there's just some cool things on the indiegogo site that we try to make really cool for those who big fans and folks who like to support uh independent artists and uh so we appreciate their help and support
3: cool
1: well i i definitely think this is going to be well received i i think you're gonna I just think you've done an amazing job. It's uh, very beautiful. The, the parts I've heard. So well, what you. is next for you? I know this is, uh, I mean, find your joy is almost out. So uh, what's going on after that?
2: Uh, well, we're going to, uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to take this music and go and, and play it live. Um, I have all the charts, all the orchestra charts. Uh, so if we have uh, uh, community, syn- uh, symphonies or, or different folks that would like for us to come play large churches that have, uh, have orchestras that so we, we could come and play those. And then we have some pl- venues we're, we're going to go play. We have some smaller churches and, and some small events that would like to have us come that don't have the budget or don't have a symphony or orchestra like that. And so we just have them on, uh, we have, we have crammed all of the musicians into a digital chip. And, um, so we'll bring the orchestra with, orchestra with us on a digital chip, and and uh, they can they can play along with me in the band. So, but we'll go we'll, we'll go do a bunch we'll go do as many dates as we can get. We're we're, we're hoping to be able to go out and do this album uh, live as much as we possibly can, and and, and share this music because it, it just means so much to me to get to do it, and um, and then after that I, I don't know we'll, we'll we'll see where what opens up and.
1: opportunities we have yeah so matt do you have any questions this has been amazing to hear all these backstories
0: yeah you know i was really struck by the uh the ship story the joe dippy thing and uh, yes that was uh it's a really cool story um i just wanted to ask like uh, i mean i know you're um you know you've been through a lot and uh uh how are you feeling now i mean you know I it. feel
2: good, um, uh, the residual effects of the, the, the cancer treatments, um, I don't have very good saliva glands,
0: right,
2: um, which the radiation kind of smoked pretty good, yeah, and, uh, and you don't think about it so much, but, um, it, it's an amazing effect it has on you, <laughs> I don't eat a lot, um, because swallowing is very difficult,
0: uh-huh.
2: and, um, and they did a little damage. it wasn't, wasn't intentional by any match, but any stretch. But um, when I had my tonsils removed, um, and to be sure they had everything cleaned up, they had to take a little bit of the soft palate right um, off of off my the back of my throat. And what happened is one side of soft palate now is paralyzed. Ah. And uh, so, the, the, and to swallow, it really takes the soft palate moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. On both sides to swallow, and um, which I knew nothing about it at the time.
3: Right. And uh,
2: but now one side's paralyzed, and and um, so I have to be careful. Uh, I don't go stuff on my mouth full of
3: steak sure. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: because it won't go down. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't. I just don't eat very much. Um, um it's, I don't think about eating anymore. I don't, it doesn't even occur to me. Right. And uh, the uh, I, I do partake in milkshakes way too much. <laughs> uh, I, I do. That, that's my that's my my guilty pleasure right there is, is lots of milkshakes because they're easy to swallow and and they still and they pretty much still taste good. But um, but yeah yeah the the Joe Diffie uh, meeting Joe Diffie and talking to Joe at the Grand Ole a couple of years ago and being able to share with him about that song he recorded about ships yeah. and. And how, about how that song literally, not figuratively, literally changed the course of my life. Yeah. That was, that was a moment I will never forget.
0: <laughs> never that, forget that. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I'm sure you're uh, aware of the more modern country scene that's going on these days. Um, I? Any, I mean, are you working with any people um, that are out now? No,
2: okay. no, I'm. No, I'm, I'm I, w- I was. Gran- Grandpa, Grandpa John.
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure if you <laughs> writing with any of them or anything like that.
2: No, I, I'm really not much of a writer. Wow. Well, okay. Um, I've, I've, I've written some songs. I've had success with, but. I, I credit the fact that I was in the room with really good writers and I got them lots of coffee and kept them going. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: that's
0: funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, All right, cat. I, I really enjoyed the getting to hear these backstories. Um, you have had an amazing career and um, so many things that just seem to fall in place at at the time that they're meant to so I know that um you know you're just going to continue to have these moments of success and I look forward to the day that you know the whole picture of it comes together uh, for mm-hmm. you so that you know uh, I don't I don't know uh, if you have to be like you know really old for that to happen no i don't
2: think so i don't think so
1: either and uh, I, i just i'm always amazed when i when i hear these things that that fall in place and and i i just love the backstories and and i thank you so much for being our guest and sharing this with our listeners
2: well it was great to have a chance to talk with you and uh thanks for having me on
0: John, we wish you the best and, uh, you know, uh, continued good health and, uh, you know, success with the album coming out and stuff. And, um, you know, we hope to talk to you again soon, if possible. Anytime. Anytime. Well,
2: thank you all again for having me on.
0: All right, John. Take care. Have a great day. You too. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at, at outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstoriesChessings at gmail.com, or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.